You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Man, next thing I know, he kind of gave me a cheap shot. And I was just like, man, I, I'm not going to lose any money on this court. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll wait and you know, deal with this after the game. You know, at, at that point, there wasn't any precedent set for what happened in the tunnel. <laughs> I think they might have to a little more precedent about it right now because of that, that situation, but. Hey, now what's cracking? Welcome to the Jim Rome Podcast and welcome to episode 247, where for the second week in a row, I'm about to chop it up with a former superstar athlete who is now a D1 coach. Last week, we spoke to Eddie George, and this week, my guest is a two-time NBA All-Star and the current Vanderbilt men's basketball coach, Jerry Stackhouse. Now, if you've spent any time watching hoops in the past three decades, pretty impossible to miss my guy Stack because Stack stacked 18 NBA seasons after an All-American run at UNC. Now, if you watched any hoops for the past three decades, it was pretty much impossible to miss my guy Stack because Stack stacked 18 NBA seasons after an All-American run at UNC. And now he's back in the college game, coaching in the SEC. I am always hyped to get caught up with Stack, so let's get right to it. It is episode 247 with Vanderbilt men's basketball coach Jerry Stackhouse, and it's coming at you right now. So, Stack, I want to say it's been a minute or two and how much I appreciate you, and it's all true. But before I do that, I cannot fucking believe what just happened. Ritt, Garrett Ritt, an employee of this show, literally just picked you up and said that he went up against you and balled in high school. This bald motherfucker, this middle-aged dude just said he balled. I'm in shock, Stack. By the way, Stack, how you doing, man? How you living? <laughs> let's, let's let's try to locate that uh that stat sheet from that game. Let's, let's see what he was doing out there. That's what I want to find dude, out. Dude, I've done this, dude. I've done this a long, long time. First of all, he didn't get anywhere near the floor. I, I'm in awe. Like I can't believe that shit just went down right before my very eyes. I didn't know that. I would call bullshit on that. But that that's probably true, man. That was wild. What's up, dude? How you living? How are things? Man, I'm doing great, man. Just you know, obviously in the middle of the season, um, you know, kids are in exams right now. Hard week for those guys, but we, uh, you know, in, in a good spot, ready to ready to keep it rolling, man. Got a big game this weekend against SEC State up in Chicago, so we're we're excited about that. Huge game. In fact, I was going to ask you about that because the SEC is such an ass kicker. We know this, and your out of conference schedule seems to reflect just that. Better to test them early and often and get them ready for what awaits them in the new year. So, I mean, bring me back up to date. What do you make of the way your team has responded to these early season challenges, and how do you feel about the group right now? Uh, it's been good, man. We got a new group, got a new point guard. Obviously, losing um, Scottie Pippen Jr. Um, it's going to take a little bit of a, you know, an adjustment period for us, um, especially with adding new guys. We added a, a transfer in from UC Davis, um, Ezra Manion. Uh, he's been doing a really good job for us, and we got a freshman point guard, Paul Lewis, who who's been out with the concussion and the flu, and he you know only really played probably two games for us so far. So. We feel good about you know about where we are and and, uh, and our nucleus from last year that we you know that we you know building off of you know the the momentum that we built last year at the NIT um, and like you said we we put together a, a good schedule man some really tough uh, mid majors uh, we got played you know Pittsburgh had a good win played Temple 
had a good win, and now we're playing NC State uh, on this weekend. So it's uh, been, you know, obviously you're going to have some growing pains. Uh, definitely we lost to Grambling State uh, um, this uh, this past Friday. I think it was a little bit of guys had one foot in the, you know, in exams week. And notoriously for us over the, you know, did just kind of some research. It's been a tough, tough sledding for for Vanderbilt in particular doing this this weekend after. So this is a dangerous game for us coming up this weekend. Make sure our guys are, are focused and ready to go. But I like my team a lot, man. I think we've had some good tests so far this year and looking forward to, you know, finishing the, the non-conference off strong and, and, and getting into the, uh, the, the heart of the SEC. I like that stack. I like also, you mentioned Ezra, I like that you have a UC Davis product because I went to UC Santa Barbara, so I'm a big fan of that UC system. I love that you've got a product of the UC system. You know, you mentioned finals, and the fact of the matter is Vandy, man. Vandy is such a special place. It is such an extremely prestigious institution academically, but you're also balling in the cutthroat SEC. Stack, when you go out looking for players, like what kind of a player and individual are you looking to recruit there because it is such a unique institution? I mean, you're exactly right, man. It really is a special place. I didn't, I wasn't quite aware when I first got here. I mean, I knew that it was a great opportunity for me to to have my own team and and build a program, but I didn't know all of the the ins and outs of of how special this place is, man. Just from the standpoint of, you know, it's a world class. You're getting a world class education from here. Um, these these guys are, you know, the, the kids that we've we've brought in, man. They're really really special kids. They're, they're good basketball players, but um, I think they're gonna have an opportunity to do some. Some really special things after you know the basketball stopped bouncing for them because of the the curriculum and the things that they go through to to, to be able to say that they're you know Vanderbilt men and I, I think uh, for us it, you know it's it's I, I don't really look at it as a challenge I just feel like we have to you know kind of sort through the weeds a little bit more than most I mean I can't just walk in the top 100 camp and say okay I love this kid right here. I'm going to re recruit him because he may maybe we can't get him in you know through admissions. But, you know, it just it, it bodes for us to go out and really try to, um, you know, turn over a lot of stones and make sure that, that we're getting the right kids that can not only come here and be successful on the court, but be successful in the classroom uh, as well. And, and we've been doing a good job of that, um, getting good citizens. Maybe, you know, we may not get the five-star talents that one and done, but it's, it's like, why would you want to come to Vanderbilt if you only want to be here for one year anyway? I think it's, you know, we want to try to find those four-star, um, you know, high three-star kids that we we have a bunch that got a big upside and a lot of potential and, and, and develop them. And hopefully by the time we get old, by the time they're juniors and seniors, um, you know, we have a real foundation of, of who we want to be. And then we got younger guys that's coming behind them um, that's, that's learning the same way, willing to wait their turn, not disgruntled because they don't play a ton their first year, but they, they embrace the development. And, and that's the way that we feel like we can have some continuity throughout our program as opposed to trying to uh, retool, you know, year after year. Yeah, I love that. I love that you're there, and I love that's the approach. I mean, this is kind of sidebar, Stack. I'm curious. Like, I know a guy that I've got tremendous respect for and in the community Tim Corbin, man, is just, like, revered. This is a great, great baseball coach. I'm curious, do you guys kind of connect? Do you ever chop it up? Is he a basketball guy? Are you a baseball guy? Do you guys ever compare notes? Man, it's just that's what I talk about, just kind of being a special place, man, that's that, you know, the cross, across campus. You know, all of us, you know, have great connection. I mean, whenever 
you know, there's big games or anything and just a, you know, word of encouragement after a tough loss, man, I'm getting a text from, from Corbs. I mean, I, I call him the Godfather, man. He's been around here. He knows where all of the, well, all of the bodies are buried around here. So if you got any questions about anything, he, he knows it, but it, it's almost a, it, it's a new situation for him as well. As long as he's been um, here still, we pretty much kind of turned the page and got a new leaf with our, you know, with our IAD, um, Dr. Candace Story Lee. Um, she's unbelievable. Um, our, you know, our, our chancellor, um, you know, Daniel Dearmai, man, is, you know, these, these folk have, have turned the page is, you know, what's it been a, a long kind of hangover about, you know, their commitment to athletics and all of that has changed, man. We've, you know, through our Vandy United um, initiative, man, we're, you know, we've got new facilities, we've got a brand new practice facility coming up for basketball. Uh, you know, football is getting there, you know, a lot of renovations to, to the stadium new locker room and new, you know, new spaces for, for football because, uh, you know, and, and, and it's going to trickle down to all of the other programs as well, but they're starting off with um, football, men's and women's basketball. And, and we're excited about the, just a new approach. Um, obviously I wasn't here in the past, so it was just kind of like a lot of hearsay that um, there was never a big commitment to, to athletics, but we got that commitment now. And, uh, and, it, and it's a fun time and exciting time to be a part of it. I'm, I'm just trying to do my part to make sure that we, um, you know, that, that not only when we get these facilities that we, we fill them up because we got a product on on the floor that uh, that the fans, um, you know, can really get behind and support. But uh, just across campus, man, from the golf coach Scott Limbaugh, he's done a hell of a job with with with, with that group. They they're probably on par to maybe be national championships this year. I mean, you know, Core's been running them out, you know, year after year, and we're trying to get. To that level as well and we think that we can but no it's definitely collaboration across uh from our coaches from uh, across campus to make sure that we uh you know i mean i think you know iad's motto she wanted to have this as the best student athletic you know student athlete experience in the country and, and i think we're well on our way to being able to do that oh yeah that right there that is the best sound ever that is the best sound ever. It's also a reminder that it's time to knock out that new business idea and to start with Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Forget the off-season work. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anybody from anywhere. So whether you're selling warm-ups or wall hangers, it is time to start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. And with Shopify, you will customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build the relationships that create diehard fans. Shopify can help you with all of that. Shopify fields all the sales channels to grow a winning business from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is on your team every step of the way. Find out for yourselves. Sign up right now for a free trial at shopify.com slash roam. R-O-M-E, all lowercase. Again, you want to go to Shopify.com slash Rome, R-O-M-E, and start selling online today. I don't know where I would be without them. Shopify.com slash Rome. Dude, I can see it from here. I mean, they're committed. There is money. There is money involved. You've already got that best academic thing. Like, stack, let's talk money. Stacks and stacks and stacks right there are committed. No doubt, man. I mean, I think that's the... 
that's the key. I mean, just to be able with the new NIL, I mean, all of this stuff is new, but we're trying to figure that out, making sure that we're able to take care of our guys. And, and I, I just, you know, for, for us, it's just about just having such a, a big connection with, uh, you know, the, the alumni from here that, that um, you know, just being able to connect our, our, our student athletes to having that as, you know, not, not so much for right now, you know, you want to, you want to get a little, you know, not not that it's little, but you want to get a little fifty, seventy-five thousand dollars right now, or do you want to become a part of a network that can, um, you know, that you can have after your playing days are over, and being able to connect you with, you know, some 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 power players that um, love love their you know, you know love their you know the university that they went to, and they want to make sure that they can help um, our, our student athletes as they're going forward. Those are the type of bridges that we want to try to try to build um, with our, you know, with our former, you know, former alumni as well as, um, you know, our, our current student athletes. So Stack, you played 18 years in the NBA. So you played for some really iconic coaches. Of course, in North Carolina, you played for Dean Smith, an absolute legend. You played for guys I would imagine that you held in really high regard. Some other guys that maybe you didn't connect with quite as much. And you probably took a little bit of something from everybody in the way you approach it right now. Who had the greatest impact on you in terms of your coaching style now? Well, I, I still think it all kind of starts from Dean Smith. I think uh, a lot of the things I do just from how I run practice, uh, making sure that we're on time, making sure that we're on schedule, um, um, sharing the ball, you know, being selfless, um, you know, working the game inside out. Uh, I think a lot of that I got from uh, from Coach Smith, just kind of a, a, the, the main template. But again, like, man, I, so many great coaches that I've, you know, had to, you know, the, the pleasure of playing for when you talk about uh, – um, you know, just, you know, Doug Collins. I mean, I thought he, he was an offensive genius when I was with him in, in, in Detroit. I think about Rick Carlisle, you know, just the things that he, his approach of, you know, just kind of outworking teams. I mean, our shoot arounds were, were taped, you know, so just so we had that edge to feel like, you know, we were outworking teams. Those are things that I took from him. Avery Johnson, when I was with Dallas, um, just, uh, our approach. I mean, he, you know, he played under, you know, under Pop. You know, who, who Pop played under Larry Brown, who had the connections with Dean Smith. So obviously, we had a, a a good background, and I had a good feel for what we were doing there. So and then just, I mean, you know, Scott Skiles when I was in Milwaukee for, you know, for a brief, you know, you know, some things that we did there as far as just attacking, you know, some zone. Even though it was the pros, we were still attacking zones and how we stunned at the stunner, you know, defensively and did some things. Man, I. I you know, Alvin Gentry, all, all these, all these folks, Pistol. I mean, he, you know, when me, he and Grant, me and Grant Hill was playing together, he put in kind of a, a, a pistol play, which everybody uses in, today. But I think those are just, you know, just little things that I've gotten from, you know, the coaches that I played for, for and tried to um, take, you know, take what I liked from that and kind of build my my, my own approach and philosophy to it and and, and share that with with the players that I coach. I mean, Stack, I, I'm listening to what you just said, and you mentioned probably 10 guys. I could ask you any number of things about any one of those 10 guys, so I got to pick my spots. You mentioned Grant Hill. I talked to Grant not long ago. Grant's got that memoir out right now, Stack. And, man, this dude is so classy. And when he was right, people forget, right? When he was right, he was absolutely elite, world-class, whatever you want to call it. What was it like to play with Grant Hill? And when he was on top and he was healthy and he was right, man, just how tough was he? How good was he? How skilled was he? Man, I was I was just telling somebody the other day, man, we don't, we, we don't have enough time in the day to talk about how good Grant Hill was at that time. 
you know, just uh, he was a point guard. He was a six, eight point guard and uh, he could, you know, could make all the plays he could handle. He could score himself. Um, and like I, I was telling him, probably the weakest part of, to me and not that it's the weakest, but of all the things that he did well was probably, you know, the least well that he think that he did well was was defensively. And then all of a sudden, toward his end of his career, he goes out to Phoenix and he and, and becomes a defensive stopper for for, for that team. So I, I think he, you know, is a Hall of Fame career. Obviously, it was uh, you know sidelined, you know, and kind of derailed a little bit with some injuries. But um, it, it was good to see him, you know, get in there because I think he he did enough, you know, at, at every level, at the high school level, at the college level, and at the pro level to um, to be amongst the you know the greatest. And and I, and I think that he's. Um, you know, now he's doing, still doing great things. You know, obviously with like, some some ownership with the uh, with with the Hawks, with the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, you, you hear him on, you know, doing the broadcast and things. He's doing some things with USA Basketball. Um, so he's uh, he's still tied to the game in, in, in a strong way. And um, you know, we we still connect a little bit um, on, on social social media or when we see each other, maybe at the All Star games or different things like that. But uh, but he, he's he's doing well. And rightfully so. Appreciate your thoughts there. Zach, you, of course, started your career with the 76ers. In your second season, they had Allen Iverson. The two of you combined for 44 a night in the backcourt. You know, great production. As you look back, how do you remember that short period of time with him? Like, did your games complement one another? And then how did those two enormous personalities, yours and his, mesh? I just think we were young, man. We didn't really understand. I, mean, I think looking back at the time, you 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 know, we were all just trying to establish ourselves. And it was just, I mean, going back and looking at it and seeing some highlights from it, it was just, I got a lot of fake passes, you know, <laughs> and I did. I felt like I could have called. I mean, it was already in my hands, you know, I'm ready to lay it up, but it was, you know, fake and then and he scored. And that was his game. He was a scorer as well. So I just think it benefited both for us, both of us at the time when we were still trying to establish ourselves. Um, as uh, elite players in the league. And I think we were, you know, for uh, one of us was going to have to sacrifice. And I don't think either one of us was willing to sacrifice at, at, at that stage. And rightfully so. I think I, I proved that I could, could lead a team and, and, and become an all-star, you know, in my own right. And, and, Alice, and Alan's Allen, you know what I'm saying? He's a Hall of Fame player and, um, you know, and was able to, to lead that team. But it just wasn't the the fit. I mean, the, the best team that they had was basically him and and four other guys doing all of the dirty work and him taking all the shots. I don't think I would ever fit well in that mode. You know what I'm saying? As a basketball player, I wanted to score the basketball. So it, it just made sense for us to um, part ways. They made a decision that they were going to continue to to build around Allen and and that was their right to, to do so. Um, I mean, in a perfect world for me, I would love to, you know, have more of a point, you know, you know, I mean, a uh, you know, pass first point guard, you know, going back there, I think, you know, at that time when they picked Allen as the first pick, I think Stefan Marbury was was kind of in the back of my mind who I would have rather played with, um, you know, but, you know, but it worked out. You know, I think uh, Allen's a legend in, in Philadelphia, uh, but uh, I think me going on to Detroit and, and, and eventually getting to Dallas um, were, you know, great stops for me and, and, and obviously was able to, um, playing the league a long time, you know, being able to, to hang around 18 years. I was able to kind of, you know, re, you know, reinvent myself, so to speak, you know, after being a, a star player, an all-star player, becoming more of a role player with uh, with a really good team there in Dallas and 
um, you know, and having that, that same type of role as I finished, you know, the latter years of my career. You did, Stack, absolutely. At Detroit, I mean, you were unguardable for a time. Nobody could stop you. You were 30 a night. You go to Dallas, and you're a part of that bench mob, and that was an amazing situation. Jay Woods of OmegaTaxCredits.com is with me now. You've actually started a new operation, a new wing, Omega Funding Solutions. Exactly what is that and how does that work? You file an amended payroll tax return with the IRS and the IRS is backed up. You know, they were hit by COVID too. They had the pandemic to deal with. So it's taking them anywhere from six months to a year to process these refunds. So we came out with a solution where we can help you get access to that cash earlier in as, as little as two weeks. See if you qualify for an ERC tax refund from the IRS, OmegaTaxCredits.com. Stack, tell me, is this legend or did this actually happen? Before you left, was there a, a, like a shoot around or a practice where something happened with you and AI and quote, a fight between one guy who didn't know how to fight and another guy who didn't want to fight? <laughs> Dude, what an amazing quote because I, Stack, I think I know you well enough to know which one was which. Is that how that went? <laughs> Oh man, yeah, that, that was, that was, I hate talking about that situation, but it, it did happen, man. It was just, we were just playing one on one. It was kind of the dog days. We were kind of out of it. And, you know, everybody was disappointed that we didn't have the season that we wanted. And we was just, you know, playing some one on one. And, you know, we started talking trash. And, um, you know, I think it was came like I was telling him, I can guard you, but you can't guard me or something. You know, you're too small. I can. And, and we were just playing one on one, and then it just kind of start talking back and forth, and and I just you know you know after too much talking, I ain't, I ain't with too much talking, so you know, and, and then it was just all of a sudden I didn't I didn't hauled off, and you know what I'm saying swung and you know slap more of a slap than than a than a punch, and um, you know everybody kind of come in and breaking it up and, and whatnot. And like I said, I felt so bad about it because it's like you know I, I get no points for you know for fighting a, a six foot, 165 pound, you know, point guard, no matter what he says or whatever. You know, so, it was, but we, you know, we got past that. Uh, we, we spent a lot of time together. I used to pick him up. I think it was just, he kind of, he had kind of started to gain some stature and, you know, I would, I would pick Allen up when he first got there, pick him up for practice. He would come over to my house, eat dinner, you know, stay over my house and all these things. And then all of a sudden now you, you know, mouthing off at me. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, nah, we're gonna we're gonna nip this in the bud right here. Um, but it, you know, then a lot of stuff come out. The Peter Vessie's talking about the posses and all of this were and then none of that was true. You know what I'm saying? That was just something that was an incident that happened on the court that didn't go any further than that. You know what I'm saying? And I think that, you know, he Alan had guys. I, you know, I got guys that I, you know, that I grew up with that was with me at the time. That's just kind of how we rolled at that time. But it never spilled over to anything like that. You know, we, we we shook it up, hung it, you know, and hugged it out, and it was over with. But, you know, that, that did happen at that time. I appreciate that, Stack. You're the best. He's lucky you didn't break his face. You walked away from that. I know you walked away from that. Look, I'm not here to glorify any of this, but I never really understood why anybody ever tried you, Stack, ever, ever. But the one, the one that's amazing is that young cat with the jazz. Remember the rookie, Kirk Schneider? Did you? Did he literally thank you for kicking his ass? That's incredible. What was he thanking you for? What happened? Oh man, that was uh, again just one of those situations, man. That I, I think this kid was just going through something. He was, uh, you know, struggling with some playing time. He finally got in the game, and he wanted to, you know, show, 
you know, the coaching staff, the, the you know, his his toughness and wanting to play. And man, next thing I know, he kind of gave me a cheap shot. And um, I was just like, man, I, I'm not going to lose any money on this court. You know, I'll I, I wait and, you know, deal with this after the game. You know, at, at that point, there wasn't any precedent set for what happened in the tunnel. <laughs> I think they might have to a little more precedent about it right now because of that that situation. But uh, but I did see the kid probably another, you know, maybe a month or, month or two, oh, no, the next year, you know. So I think he was with another team. He was with uh, New Orleans or something at that time. And, you know, he he was walking up toward me. And, I, you know, I didn't close my hand. I didn't know what, what you know, what, what was up. But he just came in, you know, extended his hand like, man, I you know, I, I needed that. I was in a tough place. And, and you know, that, that kind of, um, you know, kind of realigned me a little bit, he said. So I was just like, man, next time you just talk to me. We ain't got we ain't got to get into it for 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 us to, you know, for for me to help you understand that the right way to go about your business. But no, it was pretty 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 interesting and pretty funny at the at the, at the end of the day. And um if I come to find out that dude was, you know, that dude that got into some major trouble. He did some real things. Maybe I was a lucky one right there. I didn't know who I was fooling with. Wow, <laughs> he got, dude. He got arrested for some some for some some for some real crimes, but uh, but at the time it was uh, it was pretty pretty funny situation. Yeah, I, I don't know what I like best. You saying I was not going to lose money on the floor over that, so I took care of it in the tunnel, or that he needed realigning, like like you're a fucking chiropractor or something, dude. <laughs> like you had to realign this, dude. You know, you before you go, Stack, when you were at Detroit, you were unstoppable, as I mentioned. That 99-2000 season, you averaged a career high, 30 per game. You went off for 57 against the Bulls. What was it like when you're in a zone for like an entire season, feeling like no matter what, whenever you hit the floor, nobody could stop you? What was that year like? I mean, I think I felt that way, but at the same time, I just knew that we, I needed more. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, we were 32 and 50 that year. Hmm. Um, and the next year we got a lot of, you know, got more help. You know, Cliff Robinson, John Barry, um, Corliss Williamson, you know, came into the fold. Um, and then we were 50 and 32. So it was just like, and then it was less even. I didn't average 20, 29. I averaged 23. I averaged almost, you know, five, you know, over five assists that game. So it was just like for for me and the ultimate team success, um, I didn't really need to average 30. I needed it, you know, but but it was fun that year. I mean, we had just lost Grant Hill. So that was, um, you know, and then, you know, in that kind of trade, we got, you know, Ben Wallace, who was, you know, unbelievable, probably one of the best, you know, best defensive players all time, but he wasn't an offensive threat. So I had to kind of, you know, take that load up of, of you know, what Grant, you know, left from, from the standpoint of trying to put points on the board for us. And, uh, you know, and, that, and then I, I kind of thrived that year. I, I just felt like every game I was going in that I, you know, that I, I had a chance of uh, getting 40, you know, and if I didn't, it was going to be 30. And even on a bad night, it was going to be 20 to 25. Yeah, I was, I was taking 20 to 24 shots a game, you know, but that it wasn't, um, you know, that I was, jacking and chucking it was the, the plays were called for me to you know, to put stress on the defense that way um yeah probably wasn't as efficient as I would have liked to been but at the same time I, I had to get shots up on the board for our for our team to have a chance to win but it was you know much better the next year when you know, when we had some help and um you know Cliff and those guys that, that knew how to play and knew how to win um and, and we win the central division had a, had a, had a tough matchup against 
Boston. Um, you know, we I think the Nets wound up going to the finals that year back to back, and man, and we owned the Nets. I mean, we 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 kicked their ass every time we played them damn near, but we just had Boston was the team that we that we struggled against, and that's who we we caught in the second round. You know, they started playing like a zone and uh, just just kind of threw us out of whack, and they were able to move on. The Nets actually beat them in the finals, but that that was a tough one to swallow because we felt like that was a great opportunity for us to to be a finals team. You know, when we see the Nets, who we we handle pretty pretty you know easily during that that year. You know, I mean, I, I don't know what we split, but I, I know we beat them more times than they beat us. And um, to see them go to the finals and get swept by the, the Lakers, we were like, hell, we could have done that. So, but uh, but it was it was you know th those things. It's kind of that's that's the difference, man. That's the, how legacies are you know are, are that are defined by, by just that 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 margin of being able to to have a you know win a couple games or lose a couple games and get the right draw in the playoffs that that, that better suits your team and um, you know the matchup that didn't. Um, bold as well for us was, was that Boston matchup. And again, they were playing unheard of uh, O'Brien. I remember the guy O'Brien, he did like a, a matchup zone and we just never could could figure it out. Everywhere I went, there was a guy standing between me and the basket. So I was just forced to try to beat, um, you know, beat him over the top with, you know, Eric Williams and Paul Pierce, six, seven to six, eight, you know, in my face. So, um, you know, it didn't work out as, as well. And then the next year when it felt like we were ready to take that next step, you know, I get traded to, to Washington. And then I'm to a team where not only they're talking about, they're not talking about the playoffs and trying to get over the hump to get to the finals. They're talking about making the playoffs for the first time in nine years. So obviously that wasn't, um, you know, where my mindset was. And, and I, I was happy to um, get to to Dallas, you know, shortly after that. And then we had the, the finals run and played with some good teams there. Um, and, um, so still, still fond memories of, of being a part of part, part of that group and, and that team back. I was, I was gonna say, stack like one styles make fights. That's point number one. Two situations matter, right? And then, I mean, what a mind fuck that must have been. Like you were so close and you wanted so badly, and then business intercedes and they send you someplace where they're not about that at all. They're in a totally different place. Have you ever experienced the flavor of actual live fire cooking? We're not talking about a fire pit in the backyard. This is about the big green egg, the ultimate cooking experience. An egg is the most versatile grill you're ever going to own. You can grill, roast, smoke, sear, and even bake. I'm not kidding. Try a pizza on the egg. It'll amaze you. Stop wasting money on grills that you have to replace every few years. We've all been there. We've done that. Forget the pellets and the knockoffs too. Listen to me. Roll with an authentic big green egg. It's a ceramic marvel backed by a lifetime warranty. It's simple to light, easy to use, and it works without a power source, so there's no need to plug anything in. And with the playoffs and the holidays approaching, you cannot beat a smoked turkey on an egg. It also makes an amazing gift, and they have two models that are perfect for tailgating. The best part is you can have it delivered to your house for free from a local dealer in your community. That's right. Shop online at BigGreenEgg.com. Have it delivered to your house for free. That's BigGreenEgg.com, and you will thank me later. And then you go to Dallas. Before you go, let me ask about Dallas because, I mean, you'd always been an alpha and a starter and a dude and the guy, and then you go to Dallas, and then ultimately you come off the bench. What what was that? Was Don Nelson initially the guy who sold you on that? Like, how did that go, and how receptive were you to that initially? 
No, no, it was great, man. I mean, I think Nelly, he's one of my favorite people. I went out and spent a couple, uh, spend the summer with him out in, in Hawaii. All right, so uh, I'm just, I'm just going to interrupt. Sorry to interrupt. Back. I got to know yeah, right fine. now, how did that go? Like a summer or a week or like what was that like? <laughs> I got to know what it was like yeah, but, kicking yeah, it, it with Nelly. It was a week. It was a week, man. It was a week, man. It, uh, that, it felt like a summer with Nelly. Though. <laughs> no, no, he, it was, he was unbelievable, man. But no, I just think uh, when I first got there, Nelly, you know, it's, it's about how you present anything, man. Because I was like, no, nah, I'm, I'm coming to compete for a starting spot. Like, I don't care, Michael Finley, who all that, man. Let's, let's line up and play and um, and see who who wins it out. And he, and he basically, it's like, Stack, you you know, I get, for, for me, I got six starters. I was a six man myself. Um, coming, I got six starters. You're going to play starter minute. So, uh, and man, it's like, so it was like all of it was off. I knew I was going to play starter minutes. And man, and the, the fans, they embraced it. So much, man. When I was, you know, take my jersey off to to go to run and check in in the game, I got like an ovation. As I was like, I got a bigger ovation than I would have got if I was in the start in the starting lineup. You know, the fans they appreciated me accepting that role and becoming the sixth man for that team, man. So it was, you know, that thing took on a life of its own. But I, I had to give Nelly the credit, man, because it was like I was. I wasn't my mindset at first, but when he said that to me and he came with that approach and like, man, you're still going to play your minutes. You're still going to close games. I got six starters. So, you know, so that was a big uh, thing for me when I, I didn't mention him with the coaches, but that's, that's it, man. You have to sometime try to present things the right way to, to help, you know, athletes see beyond their own face. And I think that those, you know, learning from, from those guys and not, and I'd be remiss without, we're, we're not talking about Paul Silas, man, that's losing, losing a, a legend in my mind that the first, you know, before people don't even know, you know, felt like he just kind of fell into coaches, but I went to a lot of different coaches clinics. I went to the MBPA coaching clinic. I went to uh, the NBA had their first coaching clinic and Paul Silas was, was that guy that they had to to run the very first NBA, um, you know, coaches program. And I, and I got a chance to, to, to learn from him. Um, a lot of things that, that uh, again, that I use today is as far as preparation and, and being ready. So, well, I definitely want to send my condolences to um, to, to the Silas family and uh, Stephen and, and and his mother, all, all and his sister, all of his family. Uh, we we lost a great man. I mean, he was the the epitome of, of you know because I mean, he was one of the first black coaches that we saw that really had success and carried himself in in, in a very humble and, and stand up way. And he was a, and he was a hell of a player as well. Stack, I'm so glad you mentioned him. I am so glad you mentioned him because, you know, he used to come on the program back in the day. I've done this long enough that I used to interview him as a coach. Man, he, Paul Silas, was class. Like, he was basketball right. royalty, wasn't he? No doubt, man, no doubt. I mean, played in big games, you know, hit big shots. And, uh, man, just was, you know, was a winner. But, again, just, you know, just class, class personified. Um, you know, there in Charlotte, you know, he's still still revered uh, by by many, and I think it was uh, it was a big loss, man. I think it was kind of out of nowhere. I don't think he was really having any you know health complications, just uh, just a sudden pass. So we definitely definitely heart goes out to his family. Right. So one last thought, Zach. When you talk about legacy, you know, you and I could do an entire program on Kobe. But those early days, like when you met Kobe Bryant and he was seventeen, and you guys would get after it in one on ones. What was the mini Mamba like when you first met him? And when you think of legacy and you think of Kobe Bryant now, what do you think of? No, man, he just wanted to be great, man. He wanted to put the work in and, and he did it even as an early age. I mean, it was like, you know, people, 
you know, he had struggles. I mean, everybody felt like Kobe because of the Kobe that we saw at the end of his career, probably one of the you know top five greatest players of of all time. Um, you know that you know, he didn't he didn't start early on. You know, when he first went to the Lakers, and he just he just worked his way up. And I think that was the thing about him, even that you saw at at, at seventeen, where they was out on the track or you know was, you know playing you know pickup or, or playing one on one. Um, you know, that he competed. Uh, and I, I think that that's what I, I respect about him the most. Again, I, I'm not one of those guys that, you know, sit there and, and, and revere him, you know, from because I was, a, you know, I competed against him, you know, but uh, in hindsight, you know, just, just talking about him, you know, now and, you know, that he's gone and as, you know, he, he, he was, he was one of the best ever, one of the best competitors ever. Um, but, you know, but when, you know, when we were competing against each other, man, you got to strap on your shoes just like I mine. He just, you know, he he got forty some for me just the way that he was giving them out. So, <laughs> so that, that that that's how I felt about it. And but but no, I definitely, um, you know, he he's definitely missed. I mean, I think a lot of our, the young guys here, uh, when they talk about that Mamba mentality um, and all of that, they got they don't have Mamba mentality. I mean, he he, he was a different animal. You know, um, and and how he approached it, and, and how he you know just put in the work. You know, after games, before games, you know, early, you know, before practice. Man, you hear the stories of all of that. Man, it's like uh, it is. It takes unbelievable, you know, personality and, and approach to be able to approach it that way. I mean, I mean, I love the game of basketball. I put a lot into it, but um, at, the, at, the, at the same time, I had other interests too. You know, other things that I want to do, and I think the only interest that that Kobe ever had was trying to become um, Michael Jordan. I mean, I think that was probably a lot of the knock on him. You know, all of his mannerisms, everything he did was just um, you know mimicking Michael Jordan, and and, and, and he definitely probably the closest uh, to ever to ever come come to being able to do the things that Michael Jordan did uh, and accomplished as far as championships and just aura and, and, and iconic status as a basketball player. Clones, what do we want when we're craving protein or we need more energy? Not bars, not sugary snacks, not energy drinks. No, we want beef, pure and simple. So where's the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper beef jerky. Old Trapper is not your father's jerky, shriveled, dry, and tasteless. Old Trapper beef jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. So it's tender and it's tasty. It's not tough. And why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for their relentless commitment to quality. They take smoked beef extremely seriously, and you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein, and it comes in four amazing flavors that satisfy all your cravings. Quality smoked meat at its finest that goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. That way you can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? Such a great conversation, Stack. One last thought, really. One last thought, and I really mean this. Like, I, I agree. Like, you, Kobe had to deal with you like you had to deal with him, and I know that's how you approached everything, man. They got to deal with me, and that's the way it should be. You know, you mentioned Scottie Pippen Jr. is no longer there. And then you mentioned Mike. I'm curious, when you watched like the Last Dance documentary of Mike and you being a Carolina guy, just watching that whole spectacle, that whole documentary, what kind of thoughts did you have? 
Well, I mean, I, I think uh, I probably the only part I you know didn't like it. It was it was entertaining for sure. But I mean, I just think it's you know it's Michael Jordan. If 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 a lot of uh, if different people that they don't like would have that same approach, then he would probably be considered a bad teammate or, or this and that and the other. But because it's Michael Jordan and he's had the type of success that he had, it was like it's called you know it's, it's channeled into leadership, and it, it just depends on. Um, which which side of the you know the, the scale that you want to lean on? But I mean, obviously, there's there's no doubting that Michael Jordan was one of the greatest, you know, if not the greatest basketball player to ever play. And um, but I mean, I think you know just to, you know stuff that you saw, just kind of throwing Scotty under the bus and, and different things like that. Uh, you know, that was uh, that was tough to watch because this was a guy that um, you know won, you know, helped you won, uh, you know, win six championships was there step by step. You know, I, I don't know how I could ever, you know, be indifferent with, with the guy that I've had that much success for uh, sex, uh, that success with, but um, obviously that, you know, they, they've grown apart since then. And it's, and, and it's disappointing, you know, because those are, you know, iconic guys that, that I looked up to, you know, even though I was competing against them, I looked up to them and, and, and you hate to see um, guys that have that much success and, and, and do so much, thing to really grow the game of basketball and inspire a generation the way that they did to 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 not to not even speak today so it's you know so that, that, that's the, the the downside of it Zach, yes why well, you're one of the real ones man so authentic and so honest and you made so much time once again i appreciate it stack like the longer i do this the more i appreciate the relationships that i have especially with people like you can I say, Stack? I mean, I really do appreciate that. I know you got a lot going on. That was a long-form conversation. I didn't mean to keep it that long, but what can I say, dude? You were that good. You were that interesting still yet in that room. My God. Have a tremendous season. Stay healthy, and I really do appreciate you, man. Thanks so much, Stack. I appreciate you, Ron, man. Keep doing your thing, bro. Appreciate you. Did you know that driving high is considered driving under the influence? That's right. Driving under the influence of marijuana is against the law in every state, even in states where marijuana is legal. That means driving high could get you a DUI. And if you think law enforcement officers can't tell when you're driving high, you are wrong. Your friends can tell. Your coworkers can tell. Even your parents can tell. Everybody can tell. So what makes you think that law enforcement officers do not know when you're driving high? Driving under the influence of marijuana can slow your response time and change how you perceive time and speed. So even if you think you're fine to drive when you're high, you're not. Because the bottom line is, if you feel different, you drive different. And driving high is driving under the influence. So remember, drive high, get a DUI. Paid for by NHTSA. I'm telling you, this is why I love Stack, and I've always loved Stack, will always love Stack. He's real, he's raw, he's authentic. He can talk legendary coaches because he's played for some of the most iconic coaches ever. He can reminisce about some of the old-school beatdowns because he doled out some of the best old-school beatdowns. And he can chat about the GOATs because he ran with the GOATs. So thanks again to Jerry Stackhouse and for stretching it out for our side hustle this week. That was an absolute blast. Now, if you want more free, premium, unfiltered content like that, I've got plenty more waiting for you. In fact, 246 episodes to be exact. They're all in the can and they're all waiting for a spin and they all hold up. And episode 248 is coming out next week. So you might consider subscribing right now. 
That way, when that episode does drop, it'll come right to you and you will not have to go looking for it. So if you don't mind, find the subscribe button, smash the subscribe button, and in the meantime, I will leave you with your weekly voicemails. First new message. Rome, Justin and Melbourne. I mean, when did the voicemails start becoming auditions for The Voice? I mean, what in the hell is going on with all these same parody clones out there? I mean, America's Got Talent doesn't want any of that. I mean, clean it up, clones. I never thought the day would come when I wanted a David and Buffalo straight sports take on the voicemail. Message saved. Next message. Hey, Jim, what's up? This is David from Buffalo. What is incredible to think about is Parody Larry, his calls over the years have been terrible. His parodies have sucked. How the hell did that guy get on your show back in the day at Radio Road? I mean, that still is unbelievable to this day. I mean, that is a feat that will never be topped in sports talk radio. I mean, Y.E. Yang beating Tiger at the 2009 PGA. Can't believe what an upset that was. I'm out. Message saved. Next message. Rome Skillet. Hey, so Raiders are pathetic. What another putrid loss. I can't even begin to tell you how ashamed I am to be a damn Raider fan after that piss poor showing by DC's Derek Carr and the defensive coordinator. Heads better roll. Raider Nation will always be in my heart, but my gosh, man, I'm like a heroin addict. I don't even know why I keep going back. Much love. Aloha means a hola. Lose, lose, or lose. Raider fans always take a bruise. Outro. Message saved. Next message. Van Smack, Mike in Buffalo. Rare non-Bills call. Just calling with a public service announcement. Raiders below. So do NFL officials. <laughs> message saved. Next message. JR, what up? Ryan in Sacktown here. Hey, didn't get to listen to Tuesday's show live, but I know the clones were ready to tee off on a certain celebrity death. And who the hell would have thought the mutt jumped the day? I've never been a fan of that mutt, but damn it, Paul's dog, you won me over. Now it's time to find out who the hell Paul's dog is. Episode one, next week on The Voicemail. Message saved. Next message. Greetings, Van Smack. This is Grim in Death Valley. I need to get a hold of Garrett Ritt. If you could please tell me his phone number, I would appreciate it, because I need to give him a call. Message deleted. You have no more messages.